Let me tell you about the time my crazy co-workers pooped all over the facility and left behind their special toys. So if you've been watching the I Am A Jerk channel for a while now, specifically malicious compliance videos, you know that we often talk about crazy things happening in the workplace or insane co-workers that make you want to leave your job. You will also know that I've mentioned my old workplace a lot in my commentary sections. So today I wanted to share a couple of personal stories about my own crazy co-workers from my old job. One that got fired for something you might not be able to guess and another that quit due to embarrassment. So grab some popcorn and get ready for the show. First, I gotta give you a little background to set the scene. You see, I used to work in the automotive industry. This wasn't a factory setting, but we worked with a lot of different engines, mostly testing oils and different parts across the whole facility. Well, as you might imagine, this place was dominated by male employees. We did have women that worked at the facility, but they mostly worked in the office setting or in the chem lab. I honestly had never worked in a place that separated the men and the women as hard as this place did. But according to some of the lifers that worked there, one of them being a former boss of mine, the place used to get pretty crazy. Plenty of stories of male and female employees running off to dark places for their 15 minute breaks, if you know what I mean. Also heard a lot of stories about trains, which was odd since we worked on mostly car engines. Oh, and one thing I should point out about this workplace was that gossip traveled fast. If you got fired, by the time you made it out to your car, the whole facility already knew. Anyways, if those old timers were telling the truth, it doesn't surprise me why all three shifts were filled by mostly men now. And if you ever wanted to escape the sausage fest, your only hope was to join the blue coats, AKA the chem lab. Now these positions didn't come available often because the blue coats had some pretty sweet schedules with weekends and holidays off. The grunts like myself worked a 24 seven schedule, but there's only one thing you need to know about the blue coats. They often attracted the weirdos and two of these weirdos just so happened to be the stars of today's video. Obviously I won't be using real names, but let me introduce Sally. Now personally, I never met Sally, but I saw her around the facility a lot. She was just another blue coat to me. If you didn't work in the chem lab or knew someone that did, blue coats treated everyone kind of like they didn't exist. Have you ever seen that episode of Friends where Ross doesn't sit with Joey at the museum? It was just like that. Well, Sally seemed to be in the age range of late 20s to mid 30s, if I had to guess, and from what I've heard, she kept pretty much to herself. Good worker, would show up on time, didn't cause any issues, which is all you can ask from a coworker. Well, another thing that was apparent about Sally was that she liked to work out. She wasn't a gym rat or anything, but I think she just did it for health reasons and to stay in shape. We had locker rooms that were connected to bathrooms in the main part of the facility. Since we were a company that worked in a hot environment surrounded by oil, I think the locker rooms and showers made sense. Well, at least the lockers did. No one on the men's side ever used the showers. I mean, we had some coworkers that we hardly wanted to work with, let alone see them in their birthday suits. So with the men's showers not being used, it ended up being used for storage. I believe the janitor took over that space. I believe this situation was kind of the same on the women's side. No one was using the showers either. That was until Sally wrote an email asking about them. It seems that Sally wanted to start using the showers because she would work out before coming to work. And if she could shower at the facility, it would save her a bunch of time. I can't remember what shift Sally worked on, but I would have assumed that it was either second or third because there was a lot less people around to use the showers. Management okayed Sally's request to start using the women's showers, thus began Sally's new routine. She would arrive to work in her workout clothes, hit up the women's showers, and appear like Superman in her blue coat ready to be a great worker. 
But just like Superman, Sally was about to find out what her kryptonite was in the form of embarrassment. One thing a lot of people don't know is when you go out of your way to get something okayed by management and start doing something nobody else does at the company, people start to take notice. And people took notice of Sally. Because one day, per usual, Sally showed up to work in her workout gear and headed to the locker room and once again came out with her blue coat ready to tackle the day. Well, later that day, another female employee just so happened to be using the bathroom and noticed something odd in the woman's shower. It seemed that someone had left behind a very noticeable toy that was similar to a body part that you find on most men. And said toy is usually used in the privacy of one's home. As you might imagine, this female employee wasn't going to do anything about this toy, but nothing was stopping her from telling everyone what she had saw. Word spread so fast that an email from management had to be sent out letting people know proper etiquette when it came to using the showers at the facility. Now remember, no one used the showers before Sally, so it didn't take the world's greatest detective to find out who this particular toy belonged to. After this happened, I personally never saw Sally again, but I know that she didn't stay with the company too much longer. I don't know if she was confronted by management or if she was just too embarrassed to show up to work. But with knowing how management has handled matters in the past, I doubt this was a fireable offense. So Sally probably left of her own free will or died from embarrassment. But finding Sally's little friend in the shower has nothing on the next story from my old job. You see, my workplace was once a place that lived in fear. People were scared to go to work and visit the one place they knew they could relax away from the pressures of management and the boringness of the job, the bathroom. This fear all started one day when an innocent coworker, who was most likely just going to the bathroom to check Twitter or Instagram, stumbled upon something that might still traumatize them to this day. What they had witnessed was someone had taken a big old crap outside of the toilet. Now I know what you're thinking, really? Bit dramatic, don't you think? I've seen worse in a McDonald's bathroom. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of agree. It was a bit dramatic, but that was until it happened again. This time in a different bathroom located on the other side of the facility. Once the second incident got around the campus, people were shook. Everyone started to worry if they would be the next victim to find a massive pile of poop when they just wanted to post on how much work sucked on their Twitter account. The 2 p.m. bathroom parties were shut down because people didn't want to get caught in the crossfire of a drive-by pooping. By the way, the 2 p.m. bathroom parties were an actual thing. I have no idea why, but around this time every day, you couldn't get a stall if you needed to handle some business. As you might imagine in this situation, management wanted to keep this horrible information under wraps. They didn't want to start a panic at the facility. So I think they were trying to figure out ways to handle the situation without having to make a big deal about it. That was the idea until the next victim was claimed. This time, the pooping was too heinous for even management to ignore because some sad coworker was able to go into the bathroom, do their business, thinking they had escaped this menace, only to realize that a big pile of poop was waiting for them right in the middle of the sink. This poor soul has probably been traumatized from ever washing their hands again. Obviously, this was the last straw for management. A mass email went out through the whole company explaining that this type of behavior 
would be met with immediate termination and that they were investigating the whole situation. I personally never witnessed any of these crime scenes, but having heard about the whole thing, I told my coworker, so is this guy a serial pooper? Which did get a good laugh from everyone in the office and people started referring to this person as the serial pooper around the facility. Now, I wish I could sit here and say that SEAL Team 6 stormed the campus and took down this serial pooper while he was committing his next crime, but I think it was a little more anticlimactic than that. I don't know exactly how this person, who we will call Brian, got caught. I'm pretty sure someone just ratted him out and management fired him. The random senseless pooping stopped after that and the workplace seemed to go back to normal. But I know what you are thinking, what kind of person would do such a thing? Well, let me give you some insight to this serial pooper. Brian was one of those weird blue coats, but it wouldn't have mattered where this guy worked. He would have just stuck out. You see, Brian looked like the Cali bro character from Stranger Things, and he shared the same hobbies as that character did. I only knew Brian because a friend of mine got one of those open chem lab spots, and he started talking to a lot of people in there. Just to give you a little bit more description to the type of guy Brian was, he once went to a work luncheon at one of those restaurants that had a famous food challenge and he showed up wasted and super high because he was going to attempt the challenge and thought that that would help. I actually saw video evidence of this and Brian made it through half of the challenge before he barfed all over himself. He might have even went back to work after that, but I don't really remember that part exactly. He was definitely one of those type of dudes that did not care what anyone thought of him and I think he just did this type of stuff because he thought it would be funny. I don't know anyone that kept up with Brian, so I don't know if he's still out there causing terror at new workplaces with his serial pooping ways. But let me know, who was the jerk in both of these situations? I hope you awesome listeners like this personal story of mine. If you did and you want to hear more stuff like this, let me know in that comment section. I mentioned plenty of stories of mine on the Jerk channel before, but I never go into crazy detail about them. Maybe next time I'll let you know about the time that I quit my job in glorious fashion. My entitled bosses wouldn't pay my overtime, so I study the law and force them to pay me back. This was in 2021. I worked at a company as an IT specialist. Actually, I was promoted to be more of a responsible tier two position a few months after this all happened. We supported one of Microsoft's products. I was working with this company more than five years with this one client. This client was a source of prestige for the company, a cherry on top. I am a very humble person, but what happened next made me less humble. Characters of the story, Andrew, the only tier three engineer on our project. His knowledge is enormous and many companies would fight for him to work for them. Dominic, a second tier two engineer promoted again a few months after I was. Greg, marketing manager, he was the person responsible for this client and agreement with this client. I was working with him the past five years, but somewhere between 2020, he left the company. He did eventually come back though. Solomar, Greg's boss, he was responsible for Greg and our help desk. And then there was Mr. B, the global director from the company we supported. He is the person to contact with technical quarries. And of course there was me. You can call me Andy. This was a non-typical help desk that had three lines, tier one, tier two, and tier three. About five workers on tier one, two on tier two, and one on tier three. All help desk workers, including me, working on this specific project were saying that the project is actually great. Management, on the other hand, was terrible. We were understaffed all the time. Plenty of poor decisions, which I'll spare you from. The point is, we as technicians working directly with the client knew that this support is not working well, 
and that things are getting worse and worse. Basically, the end was coming. So the story starts with strike one, which was fighting for money. When I was promoted to tier two, my agreement did not change. I was still receiving the same amount of money as I did as a tier one technician. That is a promotion, is it not? But I did receive some more responsibilities. As an example, part of my new job was helping all tier ones by being available after work. They could call me anytime if there was an issue that they were not able to handle themselves. Let's call that on call. The on call lasted one whole week and it was 24 seven and it happened twice per month. I did receive an additional $1,000 for each week spent on on call. Since it happened two times in a month, that was an additional $2,000 per month. But of course, Greg considered that as a good argument to not increase my pay due to my promotion. To him, I was earning X before, now I'm earning X plus $2,000. If that's a promotion, then I'm a polar bear supermodel. So I continue fighting for my raise, but nothing ever changed. I was just talking. The big thing that changed everything was a project that needed to be done for the client. It was, I think, somewhere around October 2001. The project was a new configuration on the client's IT environment. I talked to Andrew about this, and he told me that this is too big and our agreement with the client does not cover this, so it should be paid additionally. So I called Greg to sort this out. The job is big and due to its nature, I would need to work mostly on weekends. So will I get compensated for that? That is where he made the promise that I will be paid for my overtime. So I took the job and started working on it. Negotiations with the client about technical things and preparing to implement the new configuration took time, especially due to December holidays and the new year. But eventually the client and he came to an understanding on how to do the configuration. After the new year of 2022, I started doing the actual work of implementing the new configuration. Without getting into technical details, the implementation did not go smoothly. The tools that I had to use were not working properly, which caused a lot of issues, more issues and more overtime. I worked every weekend, sometimes less, sometimes more. As far as I remember, I had about 80 hours of overtime from January to February. Then that's when it hit me. I need to get some insurance that I will get paid. Despite that it was promised to me by Greg that I will be paid for my overtime, I personally started doubting that. Everyone working at my company knew that the company hates paying overtime. Scratch that, does not pay overtime. And knowing how my so-called promotion was handled, I started to worry. Then I realized my overtime is not actually registered. I did not ask, I trusted Greg and no one told me how to do this. I'm new as a tier two and it was my first time I was doing the job like this. So I called Greg and asked him how I should register my overtime. He did instruct me on how to register my overtime. When he saw how much time it took me, he then tried to back down from his promise and I won't get paid. This is what I was afraid of. What this means now is one, I am not getting the raise due to my promotion. Two, I'm not getting paid for my overtime, but I did not give up. So I went to the newly hired Greg's boss, Salomar. Salomar was hired when I was already working on this project and he did not know as much, but he was Greg's boss. So I went to him. Salomar took Greg's side, so it seemed that I was out of options. During this whole project, since it began in October, 2021, Greg's decisions were getting more stupid and worse. The end was getting closer and closer and all the technicians felt it, but neither did Greg or Salomar. Decisions were so stupid that I even started thinking that it was an intentional sabotage. Salomar was hired to help and make help desk work, which means sort out issues with management, but he did nothing of the sort. All the time he was standing with Greg, who was mostly responsible for the situation we were in. Then I found out that it was actually Greg who interviewed Salomar for the job. Yes, 
subordinate choosing who to hire for his boss. Salomar quickly showed how spineless he was, and then we understood what happened. Greg hired himself a boss that would listen to everything he says to keep control. No way Salomar was going to help fix anything. So what about my overtime or my raise? Negotiations were ongoing. I did not change my position. I was promised paid overtime, and that is what I wanted. I was stubborn. Greg and Salomar's position was that they won't pay me, but they will give me days off for my work. I don't really use days off. Employers always had to force me to go on vacation, so this solution doesn't work for me. Besides, I was pissed. I was promised, and I will now make him keep his promise. I also had a second reason. Money was one of the reasons why my help desk was not working as it should, and I cared about the client. So this situation was a perfect opportunity to teach the management a lesson that if they want to keep the client, they need to pay. It was March 2022 at this point. Negotiations regarding my overtime produced no results. So I started doing something I did not want to do, which was check what the law says. I even paid for advice from a lawyer and the result was bad. The employer was right. He could force me to take days off instead of getting paid for my overtime. That is what is written in the law, but I think Greg did not know about this. There, however, was a second paragraph to that law. Yes, the employer can force me to take days off instead of paying overtime, but it had to be in the same fiscal quarter. For example, if I worked overtime in February and it was now April, which is a new fiscal quarter, then the employer can't force me anymore to take days off for my overtime in the former fiscal quarter. He must pay me. Let me remind you that this was March at this point, so a plan started to emerge. How to win? Simple. Wait. Keep talking, stall, and then April comes when they will have to pay for my overtime. All this time they were stalling to not pay me, but in fact they were doing harm only to themselves. And that is what I started to do. And then this happened. When working on a project on Sunday, I noticed that there was something wrong. Unless I fix it tomorrow, plenty of users won't be able to work. It was not as much my mistake. As I said, the tools were not working properly and that caused this issue. It was Sunday, almost night, so there was no one to call or notify, so I made a call and fixed it without notifying the client. That was the only way users the next day would be able to work. And this is how strike two happened. Since I was a tier two now and Andrew and Dominic had to participate in weekly calls with the client, in these meetings we share news, IT talks, and we discuss things. Normal stuff. But this time the big boss, Mr. B, was angry at me. It was because I made a call to fix something that was wrong on Sunday and did not notify anyone of what I was doing. Okay, this is the client's environment. No one wants to come home and see that someone has rearranged their furniture. So I kind of understand that. But as I explained to him, there was no way to do it and it had to be done. Not fixing it would have caused a lot more issues. And it was Sunday night, so it was too late to notify anyone. Mr. B was actually a reasonable person, but for some reason that explanation did not work, which felt kind of strange. Well, I said okay and apologized. That was all I could say to Mr. B. After the incident, it did not take long for Salomar, aka Greg's minion boss, and Greg to take that argument in the talks about my overtime. After the meeting with Mr. B, I spoke with Andrew and I won't share the results of the talk, but later Dominic called me. The call started with, you do know that it was a setup, right? Oh yeah, because I did not accept Greg's terms to take days off over my overtime. Greg used his pal Mr. B to set me up as the worst employee of the month in order to force me to accept his terms. That made me more unnegotiable for a few days after that. I sent an email that either they pay me or I'll quit. You would think that due to the end is coming, they would have some brains to pay. Well, they didn't. 
So I handed them my resignation. Guess what? Even after sending the email, Greg and Salomar were surprised. The second part of March already started, so I needed to stall for a few more days to win my overtime payments. So what I did was take sick leave until the end of the month. Now, it wasn't a lie. I was neglecting myself and had some issues I needed to sort out. And that was it. I had won. They had to pay my overtime now. When an employee resigns, there is a period of time where they still must work before they leave completely. That period was three months for me, starting from the end of March. After my resignation, I had to work for three more months, but as I mentioned, I do not do off days. I had so many off days that for more than a month, the company had to send me on vacation. I used that time to start working in my new job. During this period, I was still working. Salomar asked me if there was an option for me to come work and that they will pay me instead of taking days off. I replied with a smile that I had already started onboarding at my other company. So no. When I saw the money for all the overtime reaching my bank account, I smiled and enjoyed my victory. Too bad I had to spend so much time reading the law to do it. After I left the company for good, I found that the client left the company as well. Andrew also left the company. I did not know, but he had resigned before me and plenty of new shenanigans with paying employees emerged. And not only that, but I won. I don't think Mr. G ever actually looked into the law until he was forced by the CEO, but that's just my guess. CEO, of course, was shocked that the client left the company. There is a saying in Poland that goes, workers come to the company, but leave from the boss. But let me know, am I the jerk? Smart play by the OP here to go above and beyond to make sure that they got what they wanted out of the company. I did something similar when I left my old job. You see, depending on how long you've been at the company, you were given a bunch of vacation days. If you didn't use them, you lost them. Also, if for some reason you used all your vacation days before most of the year was over and you quit, the paid vacation days would be taken out of your last paycheck. So I had a bunch of vacation days that I wasn't using because COVID was going on and I couldn't really travel. No one really was. So when I made up my mind to finally quit, I used up all of my vacation days in October and November with the idea that once I returned, I was gonna be handing in my two weeks notice, which would clear me from having to pay back any of my vacation time. So shout out to this OP here, because great minds think alike. That's it for today's video. If you wanna make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you wanna finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.